You're now listening to the Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and this is where we bring you the week's news in bite-sized portions. And I'm now joined in studio by Bernie English, our journalist. Bernie, how are you? I'm good, Keen, and yourself? I'm not too bad. I'm hanging on to the radiator here. It's yes, I can cold. see that. It's yeah. a freezing Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to all the little spooks out there. <laughs> so, uh, Bernie, the front page of this week's Limerick Post newspaper, uh, there's a waiting lists are rising for uh, people waiting for wheelchairs because finances are used up. Yeah, this is a, this is kind of a long-running story, but this um, Deputy Willie O'Dea has actually kind of put it in some sort of perspective for us. So when he actually tried to find out what was going on, various people, constituents, had approached him and said, listen, you know, my, my dad needs a, uh, an orthopaedic bed. And, and he started delving a little bit, drilling down into it, and he discovered that people are waiting for wheelchairs for months and months. And that other uh, orth- orthontics and things like orthopaedic beds, people are on waiting lists for three years. So he took he took the minister to task for this, contacted the HSE, and he was told quite simply by the HSE, pot is run dry, there's no more money for any of this sort of thing. Um, privately, he thinks the theory is this, that there's a new head of the HSE, obviously, and he thinks the new head of the HSE is just doing a belt and braces on it because he's not um, allowing any more finances out. Okay. However, these are things that people absolutely need, you know, I mean... But this is what tax money... Well, we like to think that's what our tax money is used for, you know. I mean, none of us like paying taxes, but we comfort ourselves with the thought that maybe somebody with no legs would get a wheelchair in a timely fashion. This doesn't appear to be the case. Now, the minister has promised him there's a whole tranche of money coming before Christmas. And uh, Deputy O'D said to me, like, this is live more, live horse and get grass. You know, there's people, it's, it's bad enough if you have a disability of some description. But the idea is to try and get you mobile, to get out and to have the best quality of life you can have. Now, you can't have much of a quality of life if you're getting bed sores yeah. from lying in bed the whole time. And it just seems ridiculous that, you know, the amount of money it would take to supply uh, people in Limerick with, with, with the orthotics and the aids that they need could make a complete difference to an awful lot of lives. And the weird thing, here's the weird thing. He said, OK, if you go next door, he made some inquiries in Clare and Cork and Kerry. And it seems the waiting list there is not nearly as long. So the message is, guys, if you suddenly use the use of your legs, uh, move to Westbury. <laughs> You'll have a better chance. And uh, even just reading some of the comments on our Facebook page, Bernie, there's people saying, there's one man here who says he has three wheelchairs and the HSE won't take back the ones that he doesn't use because of a health and safety issue. But surely... At some point, they could be refurbished and redistributed. I'm sure they could, but as you know, the HSE moves about as fast now as um, a large building. So it's it's very difficult to get them to change customer practice. I, I guess that there could be there could be a health yeah. and safety issue. But, you know, it's a bit like, do you throw your car out after you've been using it for a year for health and safety issues? No, you don't. You fix things. Exactly. If they're fixable. So, uh, Willie O'Dee's basically saying to go elsewhere. <laughs> Well, he's no, he's not. I mean, if you're if you're housebound, you can't really go elsewhere. Yeah. He's, but he's very he's he's very upset over the issue of course, uh, that yeah. that in Limerick we seem to be getting even shorter shrift than they do anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Why that is? Whether the Limerick uh, area, but it seems seems weird about Clare because we're in the same health board HSE area yeah. as Limerick. Uh, Clare and Limerick are, are lumped in there together, but there doesn't seem to be as much of a problem there. He can't seem to get an answer on that. But, you know, it's like a lot of things when you ask the HSE or the Department of Health, you don't get answers in a hurry. 
And uh, another story of yours, uh, again, about waiting lists is a young boy, uh, Owen, who's been waiting three years now for an early intervention. Well, the the average the average wait for children who are um, deemed to be on the autism spectrum by their GP, but not yet. Uh, there's an average wait of three years for them to get an actual child psychologist assessment. Okay. And until you get an actual child psychologist assessment, the child doesn't qualify for any kind of help or support that it, the ones that are necessary. Speech and language. Yeah. Speech and language. Physio. physio um, social yeah. social skills. So, yeah, this little lad, Owen Lachine, he's he's a lively three-year-old, to say the least. Um, and his parents brought, were, were knew that, Vicky, his mother, particularly knew there was something wrong, so they got him to the local GP 18 months ago. And the GP said, yeah, he's on the spectrum. And it seems to be that he's on the high end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so that means he has an awful lot of difficulty. He can't... He can't talk properly. He can't be toilet trained. He started preschool and the preschool have immediately assigned him uh, a special needs assistant because they saw the problem straight away. Now, you might say, you know, 18 months is not a long time, you might think, for children to wait for assessment. But Vicky is fighting this and most most autism parents of autistic children will tell you this is this is a story I hear again and again. And parents desperate to actually get a diagnosis for their child so they can start getting help for a, mm-hmm. for a child go off and pay in excess of a thousand euros to private psychologists. And then they bring that back to the HSE and the HSE won't accept it. For so, what reason? Is there any reason given for that? No, no, no. They always say they must have it from their own yeah. psychologists. And there's a waiting list of nearly three years for that. Now, this is more logic like the wheelchair, you know. Yeah. Um, if parents have the money to go and get a private diagnosis, then those children are off that waiting list. Yeah. And the ones whose parents can't afford it move up a little bit quicker. But sure, look, that'll be thinking, you know. <laughs> and, and, then, uh, and then, like, if you're waiting three years for early intervention, like that's a lot of development that the child could have. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's a kind of an oxymoron, this early intervention. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, 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 three, year old, he's three, three years old now, so he's going to be five or six before... He actually gets a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And after you get the diagnosis, the child then has to go on another heap of waiting lists for things like speech therapy. Yeah. That could be another 10 months, 12 months. So it could actually be up to five years before he gets the kind of specialist help that he needs. And, you know, that's agony for parents to watch their children in that situation. And uh, there wasn't a, well, there was a response from the HSE on this, and it was through letters sent to the parents. To the parents, yeah. yeah. Um, in the letters sent to the parents, the HSE said... Um, Basically, he should have been seen yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And basically, he'll be seen tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow has not yet come and yesterday is long gone. So they're not convinced that this is going to, to happen anytime soon. And they're not alone. I, you know, autistic parents all over Limerick have contacted me yeah. and said, this is what goes on. Our children need help now. They're not getting it for months and months and months or years and years. Well, hopefully this highlights the issue and makes the change. Well, I hope so. And um, there's a fantastic group, like there's Docust is, is, is a fantastic uh, group for, for families who have autism problems. They have um, a place on, Do- on um, Parnell Street. They do, yeah. Thing, they have yeah. a fantastic new premises there on Parnell Street. And there's a new there's a new group has started the Limerick Autism Group, which organises mostly social events. But they're both proactive in campaigning to get to, to get some sort of sense uh into the system where children can can be helped before yeah. they're too old for to, for to make a difference. Hey, Bernie, that story and much more in this week's Limerick Post newspaper and online at limerickpost.e. Thank you very much for joining. You're welcome, Keen. Have a good weekend. You too.
I'm now joined in the studio by host of the Limerick Post Show, Megan Scully. Megan, welcome back to Limerick. Thank you. Did you think I'd actually come back? I, I didn't think so, seeing your uh, Instagram over the last week, especially with the weather over in Las Vegas. I'm telling mm. you, Vegas was very nice and I am quite surprised that I didn't make it to the Whitechapel. You should have uh, set up an owl office over there. I could have. Handy. I yeah. could have, yeah. I mean, it was pretty cool over there. Pool parties, sunshine, casinos, superstar DJs. I mean, everything. And you say the White Chapel, is that the uh, burger place? Or oh, that's White Castle, isn't yeah, it? You're, yeah, it's mixed up now. The White <laughs> Chapel is where you just meet a stranger and get married. Oh, is that, is that what happens? Yeah. yeah. So there was no look. There was no... No, no actually. No, no, no land over there. Wasn't from the lack of trying. No frontage. <laughs> <laughs> no land. There was no land. Have you any land? So how's your week going? You had a, a rough day yesterday. Yes, I'm actually glad I have my voice back and apparently is my face now less swollen because half no, the officer uh, tells me... A rough day, as in a dog. Oh, sorry, I thought we were talking <laughs> about my health problems, but yeah. okay, fine. Um, yes, oh my God, so yesterday was my favourite day probably ever in the Limerick Post. Uh, you and I travelled out to Kilfinnan to Limerick Animal Welfare um, to meet some of the dogs, cats, horses. Oh my God, it was just incredible. And the one rabbit. The one um, rabbit. Yeah. one rabbit. Um, so it was so cool to meet all the team there and just to see the dedication. And I think like what kind of struck me the most was the absolute love and attention and care for all these animals who've been so badly treated. Yeah. And it's just so sad to think that they all come from around this area. Like they're they're not they're not dogs that travel far. They're literally dogs that are in our neighbourhoods, and they're just so horribly treated. And so yeah, it's just some of the stuff that goes on is so disgusting. Like it was dogs that just had a litter of pups. Yeah, you know, and <gasps> the puppies. Oh, the puppies. Oh, and it's funny, I know you and I are both sharing videos on our Instagram and stuff and the amount of messages I was getting yeah. from people being like this. One girl actually messaged me to say that she was watching the video of my puppies on repeat because she was like, I just can't cope. And I was like, and do you know what I loved about it too? They're so happy out there, all the dogs. But yeah. I think dogs are so lovable. But I suppose they're probably so lovable and happy because they are being treated so well out there. It's literally yeah. like, it's heaven out there. Like the three whippets that we saw out there were in fairly poor condition because they just yeah. took them in and you could see, even from the photos that they shared last weekend, the difference is just amazing. Yeah, I think that's the, I think when you see the before and after, it's that's the real yeah. shocking thing for an amazing thing. But um, one of the big hits for me was William. Uh, William is a little Shetland pony. Um, he's um, he's a local celebrity. He, he is. Yeah. Um, he is. So poor William was the pony that collapsed on William Street. Um, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, it went viral because obviously a lot of people were extremely upset by it. And uh, law came in and took him into the shelter. And oh my gosh, I have to say, as someone who's into horses, like he is the most forgiving little pony. He was so so placid, so mild and so sweet. Considering what he's been through, I'm sure he could have had a, he could have been a bit, you know, he could have decided to shy away from us yeah. and not talk to us or come near us because horses can be, have quite a good memory. But he, he wasn't, he was lovely. And oh, I just, I could have stayed there for the day. Even my mother said to me since, she was like, I don't know why you don't just start going out there volunteering more often. And I was like, I actually think yeah. I might. It's good for your, your mental health, I'd say. So yeah. good. It's good for everything. And little Jojo running around as well. The, oh. the other uh, Shetland pony. Oh, yeah. jo oh, Jojo was a little teaser. He's, oh, he was attacked class. by pit bulls or something. They said, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. he was. Uh, he was attacked by pit bulls, and they saved him and rescued him. And he's few little scars on him. Um, and and just the cats and everything. The cat was class. <laughs> there was just so much for you. Could like I think you and I were only probably meant to be out there for an hour or so, but we couldn't leave because it was just. <laughs> we had to visit all the animals um, so yeah that was just that really was a massive highlight so we do a video about that and yeah. there's a bit of a stark warning around Halloween time and I know I think this Halloween video is um, will will kind of needs to be seen for the next few days because as we know fireworks and bangers have been yeah, going off for well, quite a while we're off near my house for the last month and yeah. poor Breezy is 
restless most they're, of the time because of it you know yeah like yeah. they're scary for us humans and dogs are such hyper like they can hear so well and they're, they don't understand what it is and I think like the bangers now and the fireworks will be going off probably for the entire weekend yeah. until school's back so just kind of everyone to be weary of their animals and to keep them indoors and actually what I didn't realise which um, I was told and you'll see in the video is keep them away from trick-or-treaters because they're frightened of costumes because yeah. they don't understand it you wouldn't so. even think of it no you yeah. actually wouldn't so um, thankfully my Bella and my Baba are in the countryside and we don't get any trick-or-treaters so they're safe and I have no animals in Limerick yeah. So for all those tips, you can head over to limerickpost.e forward slash show. Yes, and you can watch all the dogs and the cats yeah. and all the animals. And then speaking of Halloween, I was at the Sound Festival last weekend, which will be included in the Limerick Post show this week. So, yes. Yeah. The light parade was fairly cool. There was a massive crowd there compared to last year. Last year was good enough anyway, you know. I saw bits of it, but I was in Las Vegas. And I kind of yeah. was dipping out, so I'm actually I'll forgive you. Yeah. This no, one time. <laughs> brilliant festival and it's excellent for Limerick, so that's worth checking out as well. And uh, Megan, tell me, uh, Limerick Post Show when yes. can people find it every Friday Limerick Post Show is out and you can find it across all our social media channels but if you head to limerickpost.ie forward slash show it'll be there tomorrow kind of late afternoon and I believe some videos get released during the week yep there's loads <laughs> of video content um, being kind of churned out so anytime there's anything going on you'll see it up along there so just keep an eye on our website and make sure you're following us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter for updates all the time Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show thank you for joining me Carmina Magath I'm now joined in studio by our arts editor, Rose Rush. Rose, how are you today? Terrific, Keen. Looking forward to the weekend and Sinead O'Connor. Indeed. Yeah, Sinead is playing on the 1st of November, Friday. That's right, Friday night. In the, the big, big top. top very good. Well. So, and her, her tour so far has been rapturously reviewed. Apparently she's in top form and... Great. Excellent. It's just wonderful to have But uh, you'll probably want to wrap up, Rose, if you're going to it. I'd say it'll be a chilly Thanks. evening. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah, I'm, I'm clinging on to the radiator here since Bernie English was in. <laughs> uh, over on the arts page this week's Rose, uh, you were chatting about the People's Museum of Limerick. Yeah, it's interesting because this is such a new venue to Limerick and events there, they're mostly free or just about a tenner in. And there's a lot going on considering it is a new venue as well, isn't there? There is a lot going on, yeah. Limerick uh, Council gave the keys to David O'Brien of Limerick Civic Trust and uh, he has really made a hell of a go of it with respect to it being a sought-after new platform. It's in the most beautiful part of town facing uh, People's Park parking is free around there after 6pm in the evening and there's quite generous parking so it's good news for everybody the hotel their number one Perry good news for their doorstep neighbour which is Limerick Writers Centre in Barrington Street they're responsible for bringing two writers to uh, the People's Museum of Limerick as it is now known um, on Thursday the 7th next this is part of the Nail and the Head literary group yeah, yeah. that's right they've been moving around they're in Nelly's Corner they're in the Lock Bar uh, I think they do another poetry unit in Sexton's per month. So now on the nail, which is free and open to every person, storytellers, musicians, singers, writers, come along. There's a big table there in which people can sell their works as well or do swaps or at least present them and profile them to the public. On Thursday the 7th, um, Dominic Taylor of Limerick Writers Centre is platforming two writers, Joseph Sweeney, and the other lady is Jessica Brown, who's Texan-born, and they will be reading from their works and followed then by an open mic event. Brilliant. And uh, sticking with the People's Museum of Limerick, I was there last week for Art Limerick, who really? have art classes there on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Cathy Tiernan's crowd. Yeah, so Tuesday mornings, a group meets up to paint. It's not a 
not necessarily an art class because they learn from each other more than anything, but uh, mm-hmm. it's a nice little setup. And then on the Thursday, Cathy was saying it shows that art uh, doesn't have a language barrier because there's people from all over the world yeah. who ended up in Limerick now making some art on a Thursday evening in the People's Museum of Limerick. Visual art, let it be said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More visual art there in the People's Museum. Thomas Ryan. Uh, former president of the Royal Hibernian Academy. He's 90 years young now, son of Limerick, Davis Street born. There'd be, um, his curated works will be showing there and quite an event will take place on November the 5th next. The man will be there present himself. And uh, his, his most iconic painting is the GPO 1916 and it was a favourite in Leinster House for about two decades. Limerick now uh, gets, to, gets to show that painting. Brilliant. Okay, more visual arts, uh, a beneficiary, I'm sorry, a benefit for Novas, the homeless charity. That's taking place on Friday, November the 8th in Duradoy Library. People leading that are at Hatter's Castle Art Class and Studio under the auspices of Frank Boucher, who's an experienced uh, teacher painter. He works with court services as well with respect to drawing, you know, the likenesses of villains. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things like that, so... St. Mary's Cathedral has a terrific concert that's free to all um, this Sunday, November the 5th at 5pm. Uh, Mr. Tim Rainish is a very, very big noise in the world of music, composition and conducting. He's uh, he's doing a big uh, instrumental concert there that night. And the last thing I'm going to flag hurriedly is um, Dance Limerick. It's platforming new works. The two companies are Quidlan working with uh, John Scott of the, uh, the Irish Modern Dance Theatre. John's a frequent flyer there. And Dance Limerick tells us that rooted in the complementary physicalities and rapport of the dancers, their impetus to move and then rest and then move again as they assist and support each other. Visible and invisible, this is one of the works, is a physical and oral narrative of travel, migration and change. So that takes place um, with a second work, Creating a double bill. The second work is two. So that's two and visible and invisible taking place on Thursday, November the 7th at 8pm in John Square. Mm, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going yeah. on. We'll chat about And there's even spring. more on page 72 of this week's <laughs> Post newspaper. But uh, yeah, a bit with Niles Breen there, it's, he's a very interesting interview, isn't he? He's yeah. terrific. And yeah. you know what? He's got ter- amazing subject matter here in Oscar Wilde. It's his next show that's going to be running at Bell Table. Give me the date 7th here. 7th of November. Thursday the 7th into Saturday the 9th. Yeah. And he just talks with such love and passion. Yeah. And there's also a podcast up on our website with Miles for right. the We Are Limerick series. Yeah. And you can find that on limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts. I'm sorry I didn't get that on the page, Keith. Yeah. You're okay, Rose. I'll forgive you. Uh, Rose... Yeah. We also had an interview which will be a podcast and will probably appear online and in the paper. That's Manix right, Flint, indeed. Jared Manix Flint. Jared Manix Flint. And Maeve McMahon. Maeve McMahon. Yeah. Maeve McMahon is a Limerick filmmaker, Limerick artist, grew up in the city centre. She went off to Reading when she left school, studied art and architecture. She quickly moved into working with film and one of the films she worked on uh, as a big attachment to Limerick Philomena. Steve Coogan's work as scriptwriter, as producer, he plays the lead in it, the journalist reconciling um, a woman and her son, who was estranged from her shortly after birth in the Ross Grey Magdalene Mother's Home. Uh, Maeve has also worked in Troy. She's worked on Captain Corelli's Mandolin. She's worked on the <coughs> Harry Potter films. Whatever. Her, her primary work there. Quite the CV. Is, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing CV, <laughs> it right? Is, yeah. Uh, 
working in costuming and millinery, but she joined Far Cry Production Company with Mannix Flynn and Susan Bergen oh, about 15 years ago. She and Mannix and a Finnish filmmaker, Lotte Petronella, have made this astonishingly well-acclaimed and well-received documentary, Land Without God, that opens in Limerick's Odeon this Friday the 11th. Uh, Kian will be bringing you more in his podcast. I'll be bringing you more in print interviews. Briefly, it's a first-hand look presenting as witness three generations of Mannix Flynn's own family. I think the key word there is first-hand. First-hand. Because it is very personal to him and his family and many of the people who will watch it, I'd imagine, will be touched by it, Rose. Yeah, and how his family was fractured and fragmented and broken. Mannix himself is one of 15 children. Good stock. His father worked with the council. His mother was an absolutely astonishingly wonderful woman, apparently. Um, She did have a breakdown after his brother James died as a young child. And for that and for the reasons since she'd had another baby and she'd all these children and was hospitalized and whatever. In those days, he explains their entry into Golden Bridge was not due to any foul play in the world. Your parents could pay modest sum for to board you out to the nuns. So that was his first introduction. Uh, he, was, he went to many places after that. Yeah. Um, I think what he came across in our recent interviews with him was being most hurt by was being incarcerated in Dundrum for the certification or to be assessed for sanity or insanity. Yeah. And he was perfectly sane. I think that, that really hurt him deeply, the, how voiceless and vulnerable and kicked around he'd been. He also spent time in Letter Frack. And he was also speaking tape. about looking back on these files and reports and... Looking for any sort of kind yeah. word or humanity within them. And there was nothing there, not even nothing. to mention of him just being a kid or anything, you know. Nothing. It's just, yeah. Nothing. So he and others in his family and uh, their children and children's children. Uh, there's been he, he does introduce class very much yeah. as a perception of this. And interestingly, even those subjected to being locked up in the Magdalene Laundry, such as Limerick's um, Good Shepherd and the Glynn Industrial School two years back, I had good reason to interview a really beautiful man, Tom Wall, who wrote his book on the boy from Glynn and what it was like for him to be sent there age three dropped at the garden gate by his mother who herself was um, subject to Madeline incarceration yeah. and she had two other children by um, as well a woman who'd had a formidable life he was so small when he arrived in Glynn that they had to build a step to get him up onto a bed he had a very nice first year there and thereafter that it was it was truly 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 shocking so that was that's been my biggest insight thus far into what went on in the homes Mannix is very, very clear in this. He absolutely loves his family. He absolutely loves his family. This has been a labour of work for 10 years for these art makers and filmmakers. I'll leave them for you again. Maeve McMahon, Mannix Flynn and Latte Petronella. They've been working on it and Maeve told me their, their methodology last night. They, um, Latte's a Finnish woman. They would go to uh, wood cabins by a lake there. Gerard would be in, Gerard Manning's film would be in one. He would be writing, writing his poetry, writing his narrative, uh, shaping the film herself. And Latte would be um, editing, you know, 60 interviews that they did with prison wardens, with uh, psychiatrists, 
with hospital nurses, uh, with teachers, with everybody, every stakeholder who had an influence in the running of these institutions where wonderful Ireland kept its um, allegedly bold people. But anyway, Max, Max, it's something else to say with respect to how class-driven, how 100,000 were incarcerated. All of them emerged damaged. Yeah. All of them insofar as they continued to live into adult life. Um, to tell you what the attrition rate is with respect to being subject to that sort of violence and sexual abuse and starvation. I was watching Finney, again that means witness, on TJ Cahar last night. Uh, two pedophiles, Dennis McGinley and another man, Father Eugene Green. Uh, Eugene Green alone uh, was convicted of molesting 26 boys in a small part of Donegal. He's come back to live there. It's ex- incredible. There are eight men from his classes alone who died by suicide in the local graveyard. Wow. That is how fearsome the yeah. legacy can be. And Keen, perhaps in with respect to your own interview with uh, with Mannix, to go back to the sub subclass thing again. Well, well there was one thing that travelers. stood out Thank you. to both of us, I think, when yeah. we were uh, speaking to Mannix, was he was treated at one level, the your average Irish Catholic white person, but he said when he saw how people of colour were treated and then again, people from the traveller traveler background. Or anybody with a disability. Yeah. That the that what they had to go through was just eye-opening, yeah. to say the least, like, you know. Yeah. And right. I'm sure it'll come across in the documentary, Rose. And Absolutely, but why would people go to watch yeah. a documentary of such severe grit and content? Apparently, it's uh, I think so speaking made. to Mannix, he said people should be made to feel uncomfortable about this That's and right. that we have a right or not a right responsibility to know about our own history. Yeah. Like when we spoke about the this landscapes, awesome. he mentioned he was up at Letterfrack. They were up at Letterfrack uh, re- recording mm-hmm. and there was people jogging with their dog nearby. Mm-hmm. And to him, this is a sacred ground. This is where something terrible happened to him. Tell, the, tell the listener about the Milk Teeth Road. So the kids in Letterfrack were made to build this road that someone was jogging on. Various roads. With, with their hands, bare hands. So they were out in all kinds of weather. No shoes in winter. No shoes, no, tools. no gloves, yeah. nothing. Just building these roads that now people mm. see as a nature trail rather than what actually is, which was slave labour, really. At least in Glen, the men grew up to be able to fashion a memorial to uh, for themselves and for the, the lives lost too young again through the attrition. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, really, really grieves these filmmakers that there is no commemoration, no recognition, no bad, be it Artane, be it Dingle, be it, you know, Golden Bridge. Yeah. That there's no memorial in these places. They are they're made over now into like I think there's a an institution in an educational institution in Leary. Um, they've, uh, the Good Shepherd has been made into our Limerick School, School of Art and Design yeah. and that these are high functioning beautifully built sort of moneyed new palaces compared to their hallowed walls and, and what yeah. went down that, that's, a, that's another big injury as well but I did get to talk to them about the, um, how beautifully they feel this is made um, Mannix's poetry he's narrator in it um, the overwhelming content 
to family members as they speak to camera and are interviewed by Maeve and Jared and, and Lotte, uh, what they have to tell. It's removed to the core. And again, he's, you know, when he speaks about poetry and a Greek chorus and narration and the um, the camera work and cinematography, uh, which Lotte had oversight of, you know, again, Maeve was very, very big on editing and direction and they had to bring down so many, many hundreds. Well, he said footage. that some of the interviews were three to five hours long. That's right. Which will tell you exactly how much That's right. uh, footage there was there to cut back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, to make it into a, I think it's an hour and 15 minutes long. This one is an hour and 15 minutes yeah. long. So it's opening in Odeon. There's at various times you can see it on the Odeon website, but there is a, a special unit going on with, with Maeve, with Mannix, and with Limerick's own Joe Little, who was working with RT for a long time, religious severe correspondents, who reported on so, mu- so much of the breaking news concerning uh, retribution boards, restitution, you know, the Magdalene laundries, uh, what went down in Bespera, that sort of thing. So Joe Little is now a documentary maker and filmmaker. He's an independent uh, person in his own right. Joe is going to chair, after the 7pm showing of Land Without God, Joe Little is going to... It's on Tuesday, November 5th. Thanks, Keen. Yeah. Thank you. He's going to chair this Q&A with the audience and whatever. So there will be... Mavis saying that people really do need just some time just to shake out their shoulders after yeah. watching the film. It is so intense. And they tell it with all the artistry, the three of them combined together with wonderful quality musicianship, um, scenes, landscapes, everything like that. They have had an extraordinary production team, heavy on women. Yeah. Heavy on women. Yeah. And uh, then there's a sort of a five minute pause and then Joe Little will open out the floor and take questions. Brilliant. So that's going to be absolutely riveting. On Tuesday, the November the 5th, Key. Well, I don't know, will you be able to make it? Uh, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. right back at you, sir, okay. I'll be heading to Madrid next week, Rose. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> on the Tuesday, I should be able around, though. I should be good great. to go. Yeah. Great, great. Good luck. Enjoy your trip. So, so I deserve I'll try my best. Uh, Rose, thank you very much for joining me. And the arts news is available on page 72 of this week's Limerick Post newspaper. And there's always lots more online at limerickpost.ie. Yeah, and Twitter and, and Facebook, yeah. if you care to follow us. So that's it for this week's Limerick Post News Roundup. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. I'd like to thank Rose Rush, our arts editor, for joining me today, our journalist, Bernie English, Megan Scully from the Limerick Post Show. And for all your news, sports, arts, entertainment, and much, much more, visit limerickpost.ie or follow the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and we really are keeping Limerick posted. Great. Nice.